handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 9.48 a.m. Eastern on Monday, May 15th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, woke up today, uh, had a brutal session of physical therapy. So I, I, I'm three months into PT, probably another three to four months until my shoulder is just sort of like normal-ish again, and then I can start to you know, work out like a normal human being and, uh, hopefully, you know, build up, uh, build back better as president Biden would say, um, until, uh, I am called, uh, you know, home by the Lord, probably in my fifties, if we're just going actuarially, um, anyway, fun way to start the podcast talking about my inevitable death. Um, I also found it interesting, um, speaking of death, read an article last week in the science times. Sorry, don't mean to brag, but I, uh, you know, when I get that New York times, I like to read all of the stuff so that I know even more than my audience and can confuse them more when I talk about things. Um, I knew we were in trouble when I made references to the Godfather, the two, the two things that were sort of harbingers of doom in my comedy career. Um, when Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback of the Steelers, uh, started, uh, it started coming out that he was, uh, possibly raping women. Uh, I made reference to that during a, a show and some, you know, moderately attractive blonde in Hoboken was like, kind of like rolling her eyes or talking. And I said, what, what, what's the problem? And she said, no, no, go on with your sports stuff. And I was like, eh, it's kind of front page news. It's a big deal when a Super Bowl winning quarterback is raping women. It's kind of more than just a sports story. Oh, yeah, because the joke I made was it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, guys, uh, where NFL teams wear pink to show awareness of breast cancer um, and support women. And I think uh, an even better way of supporting women um, than wearing pink would be to uh, scratch that. Here's what I did say. Um, to I said they're wearing pink to raise awareness about breast cancer. Um, and I thought an even better uh, thing uh, would be if NFL players would not rape people with breasts. That was the way I said it. Kind of a Norm McDonald. Eh, you know, it's even better than wearing pink. 
huh? It's not raping, right? That'd be even better for women. So, um, but that was the vibe of it. And then she just had this look and she's like, no, tell your football jokes. And I was like, it's kind of a big deal. It's, it, this isn't me being sports bro on stage. Like, hey guys, did you see what happened in the Rangers game last night? This fucking boots. No, it was like a pretty big national news story. And then the other one, which was less aggressive, but equally egregious was during the taping. And you can hear it on my uh, landmark album, Keep My Enemies Closer, 2013. Um, won the Grammy for best comedy album uh, from someone who will never have an agent and no one gives a shit about it. They they don't give those out during the main ceremony is what I'm saying. Those are like, you know, earlier in the evening, we handed out awards (laughs) uh, portion of the show. But uh, I made reference to The Godfather and a woman, a young woman, in a friendly way, like, I just saw her. She wasn't trying to draw attention the way the woman in Hoboken was, but she just kind of made, like, a face, like, I don't know what this is. And you can hear me on the album go, it's from The Godfather. It's kind of a big deal. And my theory on that has always been, hey, I haven't read every Shakespeare play, but if someone cites Shakespeare, if I don't get the joke, I may just go, oh, I don't, I don't get but I but I don't go, Shakespeare? What? So anyway, um, don't know why I brought that up. I do that often, these tangents. But, um, yeah, why the fuck did I bring that up? We'll figure it out later. This is pretty much par for the course for the Righteous Prick Podcast. Uh, my, My favorite thing about the Righteous Prick Podcast is getting to hear a man's journey into dementia. It's a fat, it's, it's a fascinating character study of a man's brain cells slowly dying as his spirit also dies from a poor choice in career. Um, but yeah, my shoulder is, uh, is, is coming along, but boy, oh boy, is it rough. Oh yeah. Article I read in the New York Times. See, I knew I'd remember article I read in the New York Times uh, last week that basically says the universe has an end point. Um, now it's scary enough when I, if for those of you who are Patreon, uh oh, turning off the podcast, he's talking about that stuff where we pay him again. Um, my last book review uh, of, uh, Christopher Hitchens, God is not great. One of the things that was most alarming to me, which is very well known to sort of physicists, I guess, and astronomers and things, is just like, yes, the sun in a few billion years, um, my special still won't be out by then. That's, that's the, the, only, the only way that relates to me is that half blackface will still be pending when the sun explodes and obliterates life in the solar system. But um, that was one of those moments in, in the Hitchens book where I was like, wow. That really does cause you to sort of change your outlook on life. Although at the same time, it also says, so from a theological standpoint, you'd be like, so you're telling me in a, billion, a few billion years, we'll all be swallowed up in, the, in flames? Well, that does sound biblical, to be honest. That does sound like kind of the Bible on steroids, if you want to give scripture its, uh, its due. But that's one of those creepy thoughts. But then the Science Times decided, not creepy enough, let's go the universe itself will just end now many, many billions of years from now, but it'll just be bye-bye every. And the article was written from the perspective of there will be a last thought like of a sentient being. There will be a final thought of existence, which is like such a profoundly interesting, disturbing in an odd way, inspiring thought. 
Um, and I think the last thought will be some 90-foot gray being, beige, no, probably beige, 90-foot beige being, Victor Wembanyama, the, the first pick in the draft, will be the last human being. And the thought will be like, wow, so half blackface really didn't come out. Poof. And everything's gone. I like to think that way. I like to think, you know, that's the narcissist in me, that the final thought of of a sentient being in our universe will be, so JL's album really didn't come out. That is quite fucked up. Anyway, bye-bye everything. Thought, memory, history, astronomy, woman who steals my newspaper, all of it, all of it gone. Um, and it just makes you realize, you know, maybe... You should take more walks outside. Maybe you should, you know, ever since reading God is Not Great and that article in the New York Times, so now I feel like I'm in a, I, I just, I, I look, I look at my life differently and I think in a positive way. Um, I still like going to church and boy, do I have a bone to pick in the comments section of, uh, of the Black Eye Who Tips. Look for that if you're a Black Eye Who Tips comment. That feedback episode next week is going to be, as Karen would say, motherfucking flames. Because I have to defend myself in a court of podcast comment law. Um, I'm just kidding. Rod, Karen, if you're listening, all in jest. But I will be defending myself in the comments. Okay? Obviously, I thought, like Omar, that there was a Sunday truce for me catching strays on podcasts. But apparently, even with Rod's mother in studio, I caught strays on this week's Mother's Day episode, so I have to defend myself. But the point is, um, I look at my dog differently. I, it's a weird thing. I just, that that notion of, regardless of what you think of an afterlife or, or moving on, I, I will say this, um, I hope reincarnation isn't a thing. Because I'm like, the, the, the comfort in, in death, if you can call it that, which I don't want to die, obviously, that's why I take... Amtrak across the country instead of flying because I've become more and more of a coward as I get older. Um, But the like the thought of like okay you die like that there's there's that you die and it's over okay that's sad and comforting at the same time if you're struggling or if you're you're feeling pain or what this isn't like I hope nobody who is like feeling suicidal is listening to this saying yeah jail's right no that's not what I'm saying I'm saying worst case scenario let's say nothing happens okay nothing happens best case scenario there is a heaven and there's there's a new you become a different being or or there is a next phase of our souls or spirits sounds good obviously hell is a little creepy needless to say um, I'm really hedging my bet with the whole mass confession, trying to be a good person shtick, but reincarnation, I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, if you reincarnate me, then I'm just closer to that end point of existence. I don't want to be here when existence ends. I don't want to be a 304 foot glorblick walking around all beige and gigantic as we've destroyed most of the planet, or maybe we've moved on to another planet or, or system. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, it's the year. Oh boy. It's the year 9 billion 41. And I thought that would be humorous to make it like 9 billion. And then just tack on anyway, guys, you, you get what I'm doing. Well, most of you probably don't. If you're, if you're real fans of mine, you probably don't get my jokes anyway. Um, 
a bad fan would say you should have made it nine billion sixty nine, and I'd say I'm blocking you on social media. Thank you for that contribution. But it's the year nine billion, and I'm a nine hundred foot beige being, um, and I can't fit in the church anymore because we're all so big. So I have to pray outside, and 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 my dog is is still only forty five pounds, so that's weird trying to play with my dog. But and all of a sudden I'm like, wow. I think is that is that the sun exploding in the distance? Okay, so from what I'm told, we've got like, like, like a couple of years until that like melts our oceans and we all melt like the dude in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, no, no. I recently watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm a big fan of movies from nine billion years ago. So a little tough to put the little DVD though, the Blu-ray in the player, because because they don't exist. And my hands are way too big for a, deep, a Blu-ray because I'm 900 feet tall. Um, so I don't want reincarnation. Can I just ask that? Whatever our fate is, just don't re- – because if, if reincarnation is a thing, then it's like, oh, so I'm just going to be here doing reruns until existence ends? No, thank you. Pass. Hard pass on that one. Um, <laughs> so on that lovely thought – and I did like in Christopher Hitchens. Um, he's somebody I have to say, and I'm sure he's said and written toxic things, so please, I'm sorry in advance. But reading that book, I did feel like I would want to have a conversation with him. I always thought he was very smug and dry, but his writing I found uh, engaging. Um, and but he did say this one thing I liked, which was um, as a as a Mozart stan, we're called the Wig Hive. Um, he he did tongue in cheek, but did sort of suggest like Mozart made him like briefly consider the possibility of a deity. And I thought that's how I feel about Mozart too. Um, I think Mozart is is yeah. Mo- I mean Mozart is is the best, I think. I just think he's, 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 you know, obviously Guns N' Roses is my favorite group. Biggie's my favorite rapper, but like music overall, I just feel like I've always said this, that I feel like Mozart is practically the first pop star because his, he's the only classical artist that I really know well enough that when I haven't heard a Mozart song yet, but I hear it, I go, oh, that's Mozart, right? Yep. Same way I one time called out a Michael Jackson, Steve Aoki remix in my cab in Baltimore. And then the DJ came on and was like, that was Steve Aoki's remix of Billie Jean or whatever. I was like, how did I know that that was Steve Aoki specifically? I'm not a house music fucking tool, but I just heard enough Steve Aoki stuff to be like, that's his signature. What I'm saying is Steve Aoki, a DJ who throws cake at people is the Mozart of his time. No, um, but yeah, that was like, that got a smile out of me because Hitchens, it was almost the idea of like, how do you explain a talent like Mozart in earthly terms? You know, somebody who seems to have just like full symphonies pouring out of his head that will stand the test of centuries. Um, but yeah, that's just uh, Ron, Re- that, that, that was to appease my, I told my co-host Ron Reagan that I, Jr., that I'd discuss this stuff, and he's very happy. Not afraid of humorously discussing the end of the world. Um, yeah, he may not be afraid of burning in hell, but I'm afraid of reincarnation and burning when the sun explodes. Okay, Ron Reagan, sorry I'm not as cool 
and easy-peasy lemon squeezy as you, you parent-hating piece of shit. Anyway, sorry, I didn't want, we keep that usually behind, I usually don't air our dirty laundry on on the show. Obviously, you gotta, you gotta maintain some decorum and, and keep that shit off mic, so sorry, I apologize, Ron. Not afraid of apologizing when he's wrong. That's right, thank you. Okay, we're all good now, me and Ron, RRJ are good. Um... What to discuss? Uh, Tallboy, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but yesterday I received uh, the first album cut and the third edit of the special. So I'm excited about that. And, and after last week making my pitch to people that, you know, join that Patreon um, because that's where it will go first. I got uh, one one new Patreon subscriber. Thank you. And it's, it's of course, one of my uh, Australian fans. Appreciate you. Um, uh, are there like, can I take a raft to Australia? How long would it take? Because that is the flight that scares me the most. And I know. Here's the problem, guys, if you know me. I put negative shit into the world about myself, and then it happens. So, like, the more I talk about being afraid to fly to Australia, I know it's going to happen, like, 10 years from now. I'm like, oh, I got a tour in Australia. How about that? They're paying me 500,000 quid or whatever the fuck the fucking currency is down here. They're paying me in cases of Lucasade. That was Ireland. I don't know if they have that in Australia. I, I'm rambling, obviously. That's what you like about this podcast. Or hate. Most of you seem to hate it. Um, but yeah, I'll be like, all right, I'm doing eight theaters. My career has blown up. All I got to do is fly across the fucking Pacific Ocean. And I'll be like, pass. Um, but anyway nice to see that my pitch about my special garnered me one new patreon so that's that's what i think i'm going to learn the hard way from tall boy which is going to be my first special um i'm no longer referring to half blackface as my first special half blackface is um the half black sheep of the of the jail comedy family um yes cookie is very upset about half she has had to hear me bitch and complain for uh, almost two years now. How about that? Um, but reminder, Patreon people, um, this Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern will be the monthly uh, JL Max Plus Prime Hangout. Or are we just calling it Max from now on? Stupid HBO. Um, then it will be the uh, observed memorial for the second taping of Half Blackface, which was uh, a year ago Sunday. Um, I, I It's not lost on me that um, the day I recorded my special for the second time, Half Blackface, was the day that the white supremacist gunman went into the Topps supermarket in Buffalo and murdered 10 people. Um, you know, it just, once again, uh, wherever JL's comedy is, there is tragedy. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, you know, an artistic and national uh, nightmare. Uh, the Topps massacre and the half-blackface um, debacle. So, uh, tall boys coming along though. And I met up with a couple of friends on, uh, uh, this week for, for the Knicks game. Obviously the Knicks lost. I made an effort to go watch it with a friend and, uh, and they lost. So that's typical, but, um, both of them liked tall boy better than half blackface and they acknowledged the quality of half blackface. So it's good. It's, 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 it's maybe not my opinion, but it's, it's always good when you've done good work and then other people think other good work is as good or better. You know, because you, you want to be in that level, obviously. You want to be like, well, all my stuff is good, and people can have their personal preferences within that framework. Um, I'd be sad if somebody was like, Tall Boy sucked, or Half Blackface stunk. 
But if people are like, they're both good, and I actually like this one better, but I think the bottom line is both are excellent, um, but Tallboy hasn't destroyed my career chances. So, you know, that's the new favored son. Um, so I hope, like I said, um, hopefully when I watch these edits and stuff and we get the credits now, I got to get the credits done. But yeah, seems like June. Um, it's gonna be June. Uh, it seems like that will be, um, when you'll be able to see and hear Tallboy. And I, you know, unlike Patreon, which is like a monthly expense, even though that's how you'll first be able to see the special, uh, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping the JL fans, uh, you know, open their wallets one time to buy the album and or, and or, you know, I'm probably going to do that douchey thing that everybody does now. You know, it's like, it's not what I want. It's not what I wanted. But um, I'll probably throw my Venmo in in the, the comments for the special, you know, because now people are uh, like to feel like royal patrons of the arts. And it's like, I gave you $10. Well done, JL. Um, whereas my whole thing, I, I remember, I, I uh, there's so many confusing things, obviously, about my career and the, the fan base I've grown. But I just found it so odd in 2020 and 2021 when people are like, is there somewhere I can tip you? And I was like, you can buy my albums if you like my comedy. And they're like, I'm not really into out. I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you then. I don't need your, ta- like, I don't need your, I don't need your money. Um, but like, I'm telling you away, like, if you don't like comedy albums, but you want to give me $10, just buy an album for $10. At least you'll boost sales. And maybe if, if 50 people do that, it gets back on the charts or, or it gets some more reviews and shows up in more places, whatever the case may be. It's like, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that I ran into where it's like, so, so let me get this straight. You, you want to give me $10, but you won't buy my album for $10. Nobody's making you listen to it. But if you want to give me 10 bucks, that's the way to do it. Um, and that was, you know, that was another sign of me not understanding what the fuck was going on in our arts, our artistic community economy. Um, so, yeah, life is a mystery. Um, blah, 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 like a prayer. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So concerts coming up. Uh, not that I ever do this, but concerts coming up. Um, got Guns N' Roses. I got Madonna floor seats. I got floor seats to Guns N' Roses, Madonna, and Aerosmith, and premium seating for the U2 show in Vegas. So um, the point is, please join the Patreon, buy my albums, because I've made some silly exorbitant purchases this year. Um, I'm acting like it's still 2021 economically, whereas now I am back in uh, my usual economic circumstances, which are like, decent. (laughs) Uh, I saw Gary Goleman. Um, not la- this, like on, on, on May 5th, I saw Gary Goldman at NJ pack. I can't remember if I discussed this dementia, uh, but it was a very good show. As you can imagine. Um, I think I did discuss this. I can't, I can never remember if I discussed it in the, this show or if I discussed it in the Patreon. Um, but, uh, what else? Uh, I'm thinking about seeing the Yogi Berra documentary. I also want to see Blackberry very badly, but it's not playing in many theaters. And these movies are just tanking. Like, I'm I'm sorry. We are broken. We are broken artistically. I I truly believe that. And I've praised 
effusively praised Guardians of the Galaxy 3. When Marvel does it right, it is it is quality cinema. I, I don't think they need to apologize for being big budget at all. I think their track record is slipping significantly as they try to, um, you know, to borrow a joke from the Onion Sports Dome, a one-season commercial failure that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen on Comedy Central. A horse die, a horse breaks its leg, and before they put it down, there's dudes running to jerk off the horse as it's dying, so they can get the like seed to, to, you know, for stud purposes, so they can make a lot of money off the horse jizz. Um, that's sometimes what I feel like Marvel is doing with their Phase Five. It's like. Other than Guardians of the Galaxy 3, it seems like Phase 5 so far is just a shame, like a shitty, mediocre money grab. And I don't think it makes you a hater to point that out. Um, but Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was so fucking good. So it restored some faith I had in, in the Marvel Enterprise. But, um, but yeah, I just don't get, I you know, I think dismissing out of hand what some filmmakers kind of say is like here here's the thing from politics to art i think what people are afraid to say that i'm not afraid to say guys you're gonna get the unvarnished truth here on the righteous prick podcast people are fucking dumb and it's not just dumb people it's not just fucking brain dead floridian uh only fans people it is a lot of dumb fucks in the world and we are we are through the through 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 the smartphone through content through all the shit we are flooding everybody with that is making life like blur by in a fucking half coma of content we are becoming we are cultivating a dumber lower attention span society i'm sorry i just think we are i think when when no movies can really succeed except for big franchise shit when it's like a miracle when an adult drama with good reviews does well it's like oh my god people actually saw this movie that was nominated for eight awards and has great actors and and is a uh, an incredible film that's amazing it used to not be that way like you know a movie like In the Line of Fire is a good example. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor in 93 for John Malkovich. That's one of my favorite movies ever. Clint Eastwood as a Secret Service agent. That movie was a hit. It was like a summer hit. Got nominated for an Oscar. Boom. Good job. Nowadays, that movie would come out and it'd be like, it made $3.8 million in its opening weekend and will immediately be removed from theaters and you'll have to wait for it to stream. Um... So it is, I get why filmmakers complain because there is this, but it's easier to complain about Marvel, who's just out here making money, just the same way big studios, Arnold Schwarzenegger was like a one-man Marvel himself in the 80s and 90s. Just, oh, it's a new big action adventure with Arnold Schwarzenegger that's going to make $250 million. But it wasn't like... Him, him making big movies didn't ex didn't create an atmosphere where people were like, yeah, but I'm not gonna go see that Kevin Costner piece of shit. Fuck that. Like movies like Hunt for Red October were massive successes. These movies would not be massive successes anymore. And you can say people don't go to the theater as much, but they still go to the theater. But they just go for big blockbusters. And part of that argument, of course, is. Good to see th good to see those movies on the big screen, but 
how have we lost, you know, now my complaint about the theater is people don't know how to act in a theater. Um, yeah, I, when I see somebody on their phone for 45 minutes of a two hour movie, I go, did you really want to come here? Like you, you, you definitely could have stayed home. A lot of people aren't coming to the theater. You seem like one of those people who should definitely have stayed home. Um, and could you dim your screen? You dumb fuck. Could you at least be a polite rude? <laughs> like, that's all I'm asking now from society is, can we just be a polite version of rude cunts? Because this full blown aids of rudeness that we have now, this, this inability to ever say thank you or make eye contact or anything that's got to go. But can, when you're in a movie doing what you're not supposed to be doing, which is distracting the sight, eyesight an eye line of people watching a movie who paid for a movie by texting for half the movie. Could you dim it? There was a guy, I forget what fucking movie it was. I, I complained about this earlier, but his screen was so bright. It was bright for regular time. Like it would, your phone would give you a warning on the brightness. If you were just in your, Ooh, sorry, microphone. If you were just in your office or walking down the street, it'd be like, are you sure you want it this bright? It might fucking blind you. You dumbass. But in a movie theater, it was like the first time that I was actually physically distracted and not just like that annoys me. Because let's be honest, guys, lots of shit annoys me because I'm not a don't sweat the small stuff. I sweat. I fucking Bikram yoga, the small stuff. OK, and <laughs> um, but that wasn't small stuff. That was like, oh, no, no, you're actually on a new level of like, are you, is your phone that bright to annoy people? You piece of shit. Um, that's why Alamo draft house are the real heroes. Um, they're like, if we see you using your phone, you get a warning. If you use your phone again, we'll kick you out. We'll shove you in the basement and the gimp from Pulp Fiction will fucking rape you. Welcome to Alamo draft house cinemas. Enjoy the show. Um, <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Anybody? No. Anyway, moving on. Um, hit the microphone again. I keep hitting this microphone. Stop it. Microphone. Um, but yeah, and in politics, I think it's the same thing as I talked about on the Patreon episode. If you want my political takes this week, listen to the last Patreon episode. Um, but my thing with, with when people talk about platforming and there's nuances, not everybody's just like a completely, like I had a discussion with Rod on his podcast, um, last week where, where, you know, there was, you know, there's the, I have no problem platforming important, bad people, but you know, you want a certain degree of pushback. My theory is a little different, which is like, I think people now want pushback. A, because it's the right thing to do. But I think the unspoken truth is because I think there are too many stupid people and easily manipulated people. When Donald Trump gets up there and starts rambling nonsense and lies and vicious shit, I don't believe there's a lot of people on the fence. Maybe that's the mythology people still want to believe. Like, hey, you know, I wasn't sure about Trump, but then I heard him mocking a rape victim and thought, now that's my guy. <laughs> or like, I didn't know about Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, I was hoping to join her gym and possibly fuck her during a shower break because I hear she does that at her gym. It's part of like the perks. Yeah, I think you have to join a platinum membership plan. You know, like you have to pay, like if you pay the year up front, you can go month to month at Marjorie Taylor Greene's CrossFuck gym. But if you join the full year, you get all the gym memberships 
and you get to to banger um, in the locker room once a month. Okay, but you might you you got to scan your card first so that they know you know because you fucking there have been guys who've come in and double dipped, and of course it's up to her if she's if she's willing to say you know what I enjoyed you feel free to you get you get a freebie this month, um, but just you know, <laughs> but. Yeah, but I, I, I wasn't sure about Marjorie Taylor Greene. But then I, I heard her call the Democrats pedophiles and thought, okay, now I'm on board. It's one of those things like in a normal society, I, you don't need to, when the guy is on the corner screaming Bible verses at you or condemning white people or eating his feces, you don't go, okay, you know what? Times Square should not platform this person. You go, no, no, that's a crazy person. Or that's a, um, that's a person experiencing craziness. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Um, the, in a normal society, simply letting Marjorie Taylor Greene talk and letting Donald Trump talk is enough to condemn them. The real fear I think we have as a society and some people trying to do the right thing in some cases is you're not willing to acknowledge or you're afraid to acknowledge the real truth, which is like, oh, I don't want them platformed because too many of our fellow citizens are either pieces of shit or really fucking stupid. And that's that's the issue. And this is not to say uh, the left doesn't have plenty of dumb people. They're constantly in my comments critiquing my comedy and telling me how I could do better. But but they make up for it by not being pieces of shit. Um. So you've so so I think the real thing is whether it's movies or politics, culture, art in general. I think we were at a point where, um, if I'm being honest, I don't trust people with our rights and with our freedoms and with. I think we have become um, because of technology, uh, because of. And this isn't a, a case for religion, but it is a case for communal social togetherness. Okay. I'll put it in sort of secular terms, but I do, I am somebody who believes that community and society and social organizations matter, whether they be churches or just, you know, I used to go to the gym and I, I've seen it in my lifetime. When I would go to the gym, when I was in my twenties, I just had people that I like, like you see them enough and you just have conversations you know, and that's good. For, I feel like that's good for the soul to be like, hey, I see you here sometimes like, hey, how you doing? How you do? It starts with like, a, hey, how you doing? And people would say, hey, how you doing back? And then maybe they hear you talking to somebody you do know a little better and they go, oh, yeah, no, that was a good game. And all of a sudden you've got like some social networking, some social relationships. It doesn't mean you're best friends with the people, but it's just like, hey, going to the gym. I'm getting healthy physically and I'm also having some good interactions. And I remember Gary Goldman said in one of his specials, it might have been the Great Depression, but he had specifically said, you know, those little interactions have been proven to boost serotonin. You know, like having a conversation at the grocery, a little interaction. You know, that's why my uncle um, was really bummed when our local video store closed down many years ago. But because I think without maybe scientifically explaining it, he just liked going to the video store to have like a 10-minute conversation about movies with the employees. You get a movie, maybe you talk, maybe someone makes a recommendation, and you just leave feeling a little better because we're social beings. And we've outsourced our actual social interactions to social media 
and it's made us antisocial in real life. Like I have, and this is no joke, especially since my nice neighbor left. She moved to a nearby town with her boyfriend, but she was one of those people that it was always like, oh, she's a nice person and I'm going to have a nice couple minutes interaction with her if I bump into her. And most of my, I have more interactions with the, with some of the regular homeless people, unhoused people, people experiencing homelessness than, than I do with like neighbors. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I, you know, and I always, I, I wanted to make this into a bit without it being demeaning to the, to the people um, who are, who are having a tough time, but a homeless person in his sixties might have whatever mental and financial problems they may have. They came up in an era of social interaction. So he may talk to himself once in a while, but he's also going to talk to me. Whereas the person who lives near me may not make eye contact with me over the course of a year. Tell me who's, who's more socially maladjusted in that case. I would argue some of my neighbors and I think we, I think we have lost that and it may not come back. And that's, that's my fear as a, as a species, as a society, other than the sun blowing up in three or 4 billion years. Um, it's the idea of like, are we, are we rewiring ourselves in an objectively negative way? Because like I said, at the gym, it used to like now, and once again, it's always old people, almost always that I, there's a guy when I'm walking, I go for walks, you know, just get some vitamin D and to get some exercise while my arm heals. Um, there's an older guy, older black dude who I just see, he was walking. He was like definitely recovering from like a knee surgery, but we've seen each other for years. He'll like give me a wave from like the park or the track. If he sees me, we don't talk about anything, but it's just like, it's the neighborly thing to do. It's what normal people sort of do. I mean, we're not interfering with each other's lives, but it's like, it's to me, it's one of those things where it's, it's weirder if I don't say hi to you. And I think nowadays it's weird if you do say hi. It's the same joke with, you know, we all relate to the, oh my God, my friend called me on the phone. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Text me. And I get, I certainly get that to a certain extent, but I think we've adopted that mindset to a, to a dangerous degree with our interactions in general. Um, and I missed out my, my, my guy, Washington, who, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I only had two bucks in my pocket, but I haven't seen him in a while. He's like, I haven't seen big bro. I haven't seen you in a while. And he was wearing shades. And I said, ah, oh, looking cool in the, uh, in the, in the, with the summer weather. And then he took off his shades. And he was like, I'm going a little blind in one eye. And I was like, okay, sorry. I was trying to give you props for, for having a cool summer look, but apparently you're doing that because you're losing sight in your right eye, which is obviously tough. Um, but yeah, some woman tried to strike up a conversation with me at the bus stop. And, uh, but my man Washington was there. So I did, but I, but she was like, I see you walking all over the place. And I was like, yes, you do. Uh, but then being a gentleman, uh, Washington brought something up and I was, I was able to work in the fact that I had a girlfriend. I said, I'm not out here in these streets trying to pick up, trying to pick it now. If I were single, I mean, I'd be at the bus stop all day, every day. Um, no, I wouldn't be, but, but I was like, in my mind, a little part of me was like, Oh no, this is like a, this is like a woman of my, of my generation. She's just like striking up a conversation, um, trying to climb this tree. 
And I said, squirrel, you better find your nuts somewhere else. I'm a, I'm a, I'm spoken for. Um, but then, you know, then of course the scumbag in me was like, God, I wish I had a 20. Be such a flex to give Washington a 20 instead of two bucks. But I had no money. And then she'd be like, oh my God, you know, that guy who's always walking around town. He's a philanthropist. Oh, that was her vibrator thinking about me doing philanthropy. Anyway, guys, um, that's why I am who I am. I am a piece of shit constantly trying to be a good person. And those things do battle on this podcast every week. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Podcasts. Please give five-star review wherever you listen. So... Um, while you're listening, obviously, I hope you've all joined my Patreon, patreon.com slash jlcovan. But I have, um, I find it less disturbing that the universe will end in, in several billion years, although I find it, I find it disturbing, but also awe-inspiring in a weird fucking way, because not, I'm not trying to sound like some, some secular philosopher here, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't know if it, Robin Williams said this in a movie, if like a character in a movie said this, but it was the idea of like, but somebody once said this in a movie, but it was, it was the idea of like, we have a ticket to the greatest show in existence, life, um, something of that nature. And, and that is, it does make you realize that whatever comes after this, it is from either a secular or a faith-based perspective. It is a special, unique thing. Even if it's totally by coincidence, luck, bullshit, it is, it is a, like, I, and I was saying this before, I, some, I just look at my dog and I go, I'm lucky to have this dog. I'm lucky to have Cookie. I'm lucky that I, this dog is in my life. Um, I, look at, I look at my, uh, my girlfriend, the righteous girlfriend, and I say, I am lucky to have this person in my life. I mean, could I be luckier if this was like, you know, sort of a, open relationship sure but i'm still lucky i'm still lucky there's degrees of luck but i feel very lucky um cue britney spears lucky why do i still remember the beat to lucky britney spears 19th best song I don't, I don't know. Like sometimes don't you wish you could do purge that information and be like, I need more brain space for, for jokes and for, for scumbaggery. And you get, no, I'm not, I'm just kidding. I wake up every morning. Got to thank God. I don't know, but today feels kind of odd. Um, I do. I wake up every morning. It's, it's the most peaceful part of my day because as I get more sentient, as the day goes on, I get more angry, more things flood my brain that frustrate me or anger me. When I wake up every morning, and I just look, and I see the righteous girlfriend, and I see Cookie. And I just go, things are all right. And then like an hour later, I'm bitching about my special. But, but, but for that moment, that precious moment every morning, I just go, you know, it can't be so. It's, it, 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 life, life, life has hope. I guess that's what I would say. It's, I wouldn't even say life is good, but it, but. It, much like my comedy career, all I want is a chance. And I feel like every morning you get up and I, I see a person who loves me and a dog who I think loves me a little bit more than that person. But I see the, those 
and it's before I look in the mirror and see that I've gotten fat again and then I'm getting very tired looking. So it's a, it's a, basically what I'm telling you is there's like a four minute window every day where I'm hopeful. It's when I open my eyes and I see the righteous girlfriend sleeping peacefully and then I make eye contact with Cookie and she maybe beats her tail a little bit and I go, everything's all right. And then I get out of bed achy and I look in the mirror and I go, who is this saggy old worthless piece of shit and while i'm on pieces of shit what in the fuck is happening with half blackface and then the day's ruined and then i have a cup of coffee and now i'm supercharged and the righteous girlfriend comes out cookie comes out and i'm going you know what also fucking sucks about comedy and then cookie shuffles back into the bedroom she's like not this shit again but what i'm telling you is for those 90 seconds in the morning there is hope in the world as far as the righteous prick is concerned. And that's what you hold on to. That's what you hold on to. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my version of being positive. Uh, so yeah. Um, what else happened? What else? Do I have any other confessions or shady shit that occurred? Um, no, I just, uh, Yeah, I just hope uh, Mother's Day. Hopefully, hope all, all the mothers that listen to this show um, uh, had a good Mother's Day. I saw my mom. It was a pleasant day, but she's grown more reflective in the last few years. So she was thinking about like Mother's Day to her because her mother passed away when she was nine, and she did the thing where she immediately goes and and your uncle was only four when she passed away because she kind of for her whole life kind of acted like my uncle was the cookie cookie i i praise cookie. you see what i mean do you see what i mean this is why i can't have the good vibes with cookie because she's going nuts out there but for that 12 seconds in the morning all is right in the world and i get out of bed with hope um for three seconds every day i say today is going to be a good day <laughs> when i open up my left eye i say today's a good day by the time my right eye is open i'm like fuck the world and everything in it but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, my mom was like, she's grown a little more reflective in her old age. Um, and, uh, I, I think she, she, she doesn't have the, the rage to sort of cover as much of her, her, her sadness, but she was just like, I don't even know what we did for mother's day. And that, that made me sad. Um, you know, cause to her, it was just like, what do you, what do you, you know, it just wasn't a thing. Um, but it was nice seeing my mom and, uh, I just wish my only wish and my mom would not be, is just not comfortable being taken care of. Um, that's just goes against her, like her core, but man, God, I really thought by now I'd be, I'd be somewhere where I could have been like sell the apartment mom I got a big house and like this this wing of the house is yours um it's not quite the NBA player buying a house for their mom my mom never needed she bust her ass but it's it's ugh it was my little fantasy from comedy 20 years into this shit almost and I just I've had moments where I was like I think this is it and it never was it but uh shows by the way guys I got shows that's right um, September 15th and 16th, Harrisburg Comedy Zone. Um, don't know why it took me two years to get booked again at the Harrisburg Comedy Zone, but I think, you know, 
my career is a piece of shit. So that's probably the answer. And then I'm at Trend Cafe, Montclair, New Jersey, um, across the street, by the way, from the Wellmont Theater, which I really thought I might have in 2020. I really had expectations that maybe I'd be headlining that theater. It's like a, I don't know, like a 400 seat theater or something. I really thought maybe I'd be headlining there by now. Instead, I'm doing a small cafe across the street from the Wellmont. My career started 20 years ago in a jazz club and a cafe in, in D.C., and apparently it's ending in a, a, a cafe in Montclair, New Jersey. So I've moved on up the East Coast, but not in any way in terms of status. But um, so those are the only two shows on the calendar. Um, I haven't emailed for gigs because most clubs aren't returning my emails. So apparently word has gotten around in the industry that I uh, murdered somebody or, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I make sex tapes with puppies or something, something, uh, egregious, um, uh, is, is out there about me, I would assume. Um, because the idea that my career is worse off now than it was in, tw in 2019, it must, I hope it strikes everyone listening as incredibly bizarre at best and horribly tragic at worst, but it is, it is a weird phenomenon that I am I'm literally in a worse position in stand-up comedy in 29 in 2023 than I was in 2019 um, if you've been paying attention to my career it would seem weird that multiplying your fan base by over 40 times having national anyway you've heard the shtick before but it's um, I'm just holding out hope for the special and when the specials are ready getting a publicist and hoping that that person can pull off nothing short of a fucking miracle for my comedy career. But until then, I'm just not that motivated to look for gigs. Um, because why keep putting out, you know, when you're trying to be positive, why, like, emailing for gigs right now is kind of like, like if I was into sadomasochism, it'd be awesome. I'd be sending emails saying, please don't return this email. And also, if you can drip hot wax on my chest while you're not replying to the emails that would make me great and if you can put on some stilettos and grind my nuts to powder that's what i get out of stand-up comedy booking emails that kind of humiliation and degradation uh, and disrespect that i so crave as a as a powerful man during the day so um yeah that's uh that's the old comedy career so Fingers crossed for the specials. Hopefully some of you will uh, join up on the Patreon either now or in June. Um, but also I'd hope if you join the Patreon that you'd enjoy Tallboy, but also then kind of scroll back for Mike Pence gaming series, the Mitch McConnell cooking show, the Andrew Cuomo podcast, all the bonus podcasts, um, various things that I just up, try to upload at least weekly something to the, to the Patreon. I think it's, I think the people who are on it are, are fairly satisfied with it. So, um, you know, check it out. Um, my albums are all streaming again. So please, if you've never listened to my stand-up albums, I hope you will buy or stream some of them. Um, buying is preferential. But you know what? If money's tight or if you already have a subscription, stream them. I'm very proud of all of them. Uh, Tidal, Spot not Spotify because they don't pay shit, but Apple's Tidal, uh, Amazon digital like they're they're all there on the main the main sites um but beyond that i think that's all i got to share with you today now i have to go make sure that i haven't received a work assignment yet i have to just basically do an hour of things for me followed by do i have any work another hour of things for me followed by do i have any work um i'm trying to remember if i have anything else to share with you guys i appreciate you listening um if you haven't already please give it five stars on apple podcasts 
Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything more to discuss. Um, give me one second. I always, I always remember like, oh yeah, I was supposed to fucking say that. Fuck. Fucking fuck. Fucking fucking. Um, I know this is bad, but I just, something in my head is telling me like, you did have that one other funny story. It probably involved like a woman flirting with me and then vomiting or something. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> uh, what happened? Did anything happen in the city? In the city, city of bullshit. We, oh, yeah, I did. Here's a review for you. Um, I did watch the Tupac series on FX Hulu. Um, Five-part series on Tupac. Um, I can't believe he was 25 when he died. I I don't know why that struck me as even. Maybe because like Biggie died at 26, right? Born in 72, died in 90, or 25. Were they both 25? It's just crazy. But for some reason, Tupac, maybe just I was familiar with him longer. So it didn't feel like he was as young, but 25 years old. Like to think I have had 18 plus more years alive than Tupac and have almost the same cultural impact as him. Like I, I'm almost where he was but it's taken me almost an entirely double life to get there. That's incredible. Um, and that was sarcastic. I hope some of you, I feel like I have to explain comedy to at least 25% of my fans. So I don't think you guys are in that class, but, but you never know. Somebody might've just seen this on Twitter and go, what's a, what's a podcast. I'll listen to him. I hope he does impressions. Who's this person talking? He's very negative and philosophical and it's not very funny i don't understand i guess i don't know i'll just go back to tiktok and watch other trump impersonators who have neither the vocal or content writing skills of jl but i will then say you guys are as good as jl because i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> um yeah that's it guys Thank you for listening. But yeah, the Tupac series I thought was like fine. Um, it was okay. It was about like kind of tracing his life and his mom's life and sort of parallel stories. It was interesting enough, but at the end of like kind of five hours invested, I was like, ah, I could have watched two movies with this time. Um, but uh, th yeah, I guess that's it. I've been doing a lot of reading and uh, family time. And uh, so I guess I don't have a lot of things to review. Um, I wish more of you had seen, uh, in the lines of that movie discussion we were having, I wish more of you had seen The Covenant. It's excellent. It, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, well, Jake Gyllenhaal's big. Jake Gyllenhaal, by the way, is extremely handsome. He really, like, I saw him in an interview with, like, Howard Stern that popped up in my Facebook. They must have been reading my mind and been like, I think this guy would bang Jake Gyllenhaal if he was stuck in prison with him for a couple of years. Jake Gyllenhaal is extremely handsome. Like, really handsome. That's all I have to say about that. But he's just extremely handsome. and In my opinion. Okay, in my opinion. Maybe some of you are out there like, I'm not so much, I'm more of a Pete Davidson whore. Well, good for you. Bye-bye. Um, oh, and here's a joke I put on Twitter 
and Facebook in case you guys aren't on those platforms. Um, in the last 25 years, or have I already told you this one? In the last 25 years, Pete Davidson has more autobiographical content um, made about him than Elvis Presley. That feels like also a sign that we've culturally lost our way. Like more, like there was one Elvis movie, and there's been the King of Staten Island and now Bupkis. That's that's a TV show and a movie that are semi autobiographical about Pete Davidson. Elvis Presley has had exactly one. I mean, I'm not talking documentaries and stuff. He's had, he's had one movie, Elvis with Austin Butler, which I loved. It, that just feels that that doesn't feel proportionally correct to cultural impact. But what do I know? What do I know? Um, any day now, Pete Davidson will have his first imitation or character on SNL. We're, um, we're holding our fingers. Seven years wasn't enough to develop uh, one. So, you know, maybe that's just, uh, he's just, in the words of Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman, he's just getting warmed up. Um, but yeah, guys, that's it. Thanks for sticking with me. Um, I mean, we're on the horizon, tall boy, June, 2023 to celebrate the 20th anniversary of jail, making the worst mistake of his life. And instead of seeing a therapist, like his medical school girlfriend recommended, he picked up a hobby and that hobby was Mo Green. No, that hobby was stand up comedy and millions have laughed and dozens have paid money. And that is my legacy. So thank you for listening, and I will see you next Tuesday.